0: going everyone this is everything's relative a podcast that explores DNA testing uh, in the modern world and how it's affecting people for better for worse Um, this is episode 9 I am your host Eve Sturgis and if you've been listening at all you know that I'm sort of on maternity leave right now we did have our baby she's beautiful and healthy uh, and we are Super happy and super tired, but I wanted to just jump on real quick um, to talk about episode nine specifically um, because uh, two reasons. One is I, this episode, I'm um, interviewing a wonderful woman named Krista, and and I drove down to Orange County to meet her and it was the first time that I did an interview outside my house and I was a little bit nervous and it was also extremely early in the morning when I left to get to her on time. So all of that to say that I totally messed up the sound recording. So we've done what we can, but it's not ideal. And <laughs> I know I always have like one excuse or another about sound or my breathing, uh, but this time Uh, It was just it was a a microphone problem that I created. So the sound is not great, but uh, I want so I considered like ditching the episode altogether and or going back down to Orange County to interview Krista. But I really wanted it on. And that's why I'm jumping in here, um, because she talks about some really important things, uh, namely that Krista is the CEO of a mental health counseling facility in Orange County. California, the town of Orange in the county of Orange County in the state of California. Um, And they provide group counseling for NPEs. So I said that as I found out about these resources, that I would be sure to mention them. So this episode is really here um, because I want to focus on the resources available in Orange County for those people. So the counseling center is called Mariposa. That is M as in Mary, A R I p-o-s-a that is the Spanish word for butterfly I believe Um, they're called Mariposa and you can look them up at mariposacenter.org and also I'll throw up their information on our social media pages so make sure that you are staying in the loop with all the uh, stuff we've got by following us on Instagram and Facebook both are called everything's relative podcast are the groups there um, so we're going to get this going, so forgive the sound, and, uh, hope everybody's summer, school is starting around now, and, um, summer's kind of wrapping up, so I hope that that went well for everybody, and I'll be back in real time, um, one of these days, a couple, uh, couple, let's see, we've got two more episodes lined up, so, um, things will catch up by September, um, and I'll, uh, I look forward to it, and I hope you enjoy this episode,
1: and, here we go episode nine thanks so much bye so I was actually adopted so I grew up with the mystery of my biological parents uh-huh. I was adopted just before my fourth birthday so when I was 20 I met my biological mother okay and, so was it
0: a closed adoption until then
1: um kind of don't we just start at the beginning
0: I'm but just going to keep asking. I'll just, just keep asking questions. Uh yeah. Okay,
1: so uh, my birth mother was 15 when she had me and homeless, living in a van, and um, she was arrested when I was just months old, and I went to juvenile hall. I mean, oh God. Let me show right. you. She went to juvenile You can, can juvenile cut hall. this, right? Yeah, yeah okay, it. yeah. okay, so my birth mother but was... I love the
0: idea of you being in juvenile hall. So I know. So if you want to keep that part. As an, infant, <laughs> As an that infant? That would be kind of fun. You um, in an infant okay, vision.
1: so... My birth mother was 15 when she had me, and homeless. She was on drugs and just couldn't take care of a baby. Mm-hmm. And she went to juvenile hall and I went to foster care. So I spent the first four years of my life in foster care.
0: In California?
1: In San Diego. Okay. And it wasn't a big mystery to me. I knew that I was adopted. I knew that uh, I didn't know my biological family. So I had years to marinate in that and, and wrap my head around the mystery of it.
0: Were you only child?
1: No, in my adoptive family they had two biological children and then multiple foster kids. So I was surrounded by, you know, kids and uh, growing up. My biological mother did have another daughter three years after I was born, and that sister was in and out of foster care, but she always managed to get my sister back.
0: And you knew about that while you
1: were I did not up? know. Okay. I did not know.
0: <clears throat> okay, so fast forward, you're twenty years old
1: you get to meet. Well, let me me back up for a second and tell you, you know how in uh, elementary, junior high, they gave you those assignments to do your family trees. Uh And so because I didn't have real information to put in there, I just made stuff up. Like my parents were missionaries in China, like outrageous stories. But that was how I handled not knowing. And uh, so when I was 20, I was in grad school and they gave us that assignment to do your family trees. And I decided to really try to find the information. And so I located uh, a biological aunt and made arrangements to go down and meet with her. And And how did you find her? um, Oh, I had found her through a biological, uh, when I was 13, I decided to find my biological family from watching an Oprah Winfrey show on adoptees and happy reunions and Mm -hmm. wanted that myself. So I didn't tell anybody I was doing this. I just went and did my own research and found my biological great-grandparents. And they told my parents at the time, my adopted parents, not to have anything to do with my biological mother. She had problems, don't let her meet her, and so I did it. This
0: will not be an Oprah episode. No,
1: no. So when I was 20, I reached out to them and they put me in touch with this biological aunt that was going to help me fill in the family tree. And it sounds great, but she decided on that day it was a good idea for me to meet the rest of the family. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I walked in thinking. She also had a fantasy. Right. I walked in thinking I was going to meet this aunt and be able to fill in these gaps. And she had her mother there, her brothers, and she arranged for my biological mother to also be there.
0: Okay. And so
1: that was, you know, a shock and unexpected and, uh, you know, a lot of emotions that I really wasn't prepared to deal with. I wasn't mature enough, really, to handle that. Right. That night, my biological mother told me that Michael was my biological father. And so, I set out to find Michael, and I did. I met him, his family. He gave me all the medical information, like, you know, think and this guy's my dad. He was in San Diego. Also, still there. Right. Still the and so, for 26 years, I thought that Michael was my father. And when this ancestry... Did you have a relationship with him? No, not really. I mean, there was, you know, Christmas cards exchanged and things. Um, I really wasn't looking for a relationship. I mostly wanted medical information. Mm-hmm. Because you know you go to the doctor and they say, "Does this run in your family?" I don't know right don't know so when the ancestry DNA test you know came into my my, my life, mm-hmm. I really was just doing it for the heritage and for uh, medical information which you don't get from ancestry you get more from twenty three andme me but so I was not it's expecting a good place to start. wasn't expecting anything other than fifty percent Italian and you know, everything that would go with Michael being my biological father, mm-hmm. and he wasn't.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Surprise. Right. Uh, so, when I got the results, I didn't recognize the names. You know, Ancestry will match you to people that make their profile public. And I didn't recognize any of the names that were coming up as a match for me. How many were there? Uh, several. There was, um, you know, Ancestry doesn't commit to titles. They may say close family right. or first cousin, but it's it's an um, it's an estimate, so it came up at first cousin, really ended up being an aunt, but I didn't I didn't know any of these names. I looked at the family trees. I didn't know who these people were, and so none I,
0: of them were Michael.
1: None of them were Michael. None of them were Italian. So I knew something was
0: something off. was amiss. And your mother's side of the family hadn't done it at all. Were they coming up on there? At they all?
1: were coming up I some the pink, on there. Yeah. A less. Okay. Yeah, um, and so when I got the results. I, uh, I I messaged them right from Ancestry, and it was kind of this moment of what do I say? Hey, um, somebody in your family knocked up my mother. Like, right? You want to talk? I know. I know. <laughs> it's so. Yeah. You want to get together? So.
0: And how many years? I'm sorry. 26 years after you'd met Michael. Right. It for 26 years. This Italian Michael was your biological dad. Right. And now he's clearly not.
1: Right. Exactly. Okay. And so I messaged straight from Ancestry and just said, you know, I just got my results. Looks like we're related. I'd love to talk to you some more. Just a very simple message, not knowing who's on the other side of it and what is the circumstances in their life. I didn't want to blow up anybody's family, you know, or whatever. So a very simple message, and uh, they responded a couple days later. And the, the aunt is her brother. That's my biological father and his name is Thomas.
0: Oh, okay, so Thomas is not Michael.
1: Thomas is my, yes, not Michael, (laughs) definitely not Michael, and he's that Scandinavian and, you know, British and not Italian, so, uh, which was really disappointing because I love Italian food.
0: Oh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, mean, I'm laughing, but I know that for a lot (laughs) of people, identifying with their heritage is so important, and to discover that they're not, from the land they thought they were is really, really upsetting.
1: It can be traumatizing for people. upsetting,
0: traumatizing.
1: And I think when we look at human nature and human psychology, we are pack animals. We are, uh, we have a, an intrinsic need to be connected to a group and identify with a group of families. So exactly. when that doesn't happen, it, it sets your whole world. You know, it it, it just confuses and the whole, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. You look Italian. Do I? I would have gone with it. Well, um, um, clearly not, but anyway, so um, I I text messaged my biological mother, and we had had a, you know, we weren't really close, but we communicated, and I texted her and said, hey, who's this Thomas guy? Because apparently he's my biological father, and she never answered. Oh, She would not tell me anything. In fact, she never responded to my text. Ever again. Ever. And then a few months later, that sister, my half-sister with the, my biological mother, you know, texted and said she was ill and they thought she was going to die, but this had been happening. Like, you know, she's going to the hospital. She's going to die. And after so many times of that, I stopped rushing down there when they said that. And this time she really did die. Wow. And she took that secret to the grave, and I have no understanding so from your her. So
0: mother died.
1: Dies a few months after taking, I find taking out.
0: Taking the Thomas information with her.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that was in. Um, um, let's see. I found out in June, and she died in January.
0: That's fast. It's
1: very fast. Yeah, and never told me.
0: And have you been able to connect with Thomas?
1: Um, no. Let's see. So um, I met the aunt. She flew out from the east coast. Met her, really nice, nice wonderful her. lady. Uh, I met with an uncle that lives less than a mile from my house. Has lived there for thirty years. Has wow, mutual weird. friends with my parents. Like six degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. This man lives so close, and he's my uncle. And I was able to meet him and his wife. And uh, funny at the the lunch, I said just just off the cuff, like, hey, any relation to Dick Cheney? He's like, well, as a matter of fact, we are. <laughs> I was like, dang it, <laughs> like, couldn't could have it. been anybody else besides Dick Cheney, but they're just really great people. They're very accepting and open and uh, welcoming. I couldn't have asked for a better experience. Even with everything being positive and being uh, you know, good, I still had emotions that came up that I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. And it really, um, it, it made me wobbly in my life for a while. And I'm pretty centered, I'm pretty, stable in my life but it, it was an unexpected emotions and I think
0: that happens
1: it's, I hear it's from so, so many, many people. people
0: I think right it, happened to me, it happens to me and I still I still am surprised yeah but because intellectually or something if you ask me any day of the week I'm like no I'm, I'm fine it's all very interesting but I'm fine and then something will trigger it could be and
1: anything it could be a song it could be mm-hmm. uh, just anything so for me there was a lot of i wouldn't say negative emotions but just difficult or challenging emotions and some of those were like um when i met my sister for the first time so i have siblings with thomas there's there's three of us that we know about there's two more that are kind of out there somewhere but when i met this sister for the first time it was really great and wonderful and then i had this feeling of oh my gosh we were we were robbed like right. I, could, I could have had a you lifetime had a sister, with this, this girl sister. and yeah. she's funny and smart and artistic and, you know, I'll never have those, those first breakups or their first, you know, prom or their wedding or the birth of her first child. Like those experiences that we could have had as sisters, we'll never have. And it was this she grief. Now? She's in San Diego. Okay. And, um, you know, it's nice and wonderful to have her in my life now, but it's kind of like, oh, we could have grown up together, mm-hmm. you know. So, and there's this helpless feeling that the adults in my world and your world as well made choices that affected us and we didn't even have knowledge of it or a say in it. It's really difficult to, to navigate that in current relationships with their families.
0: Right, so. and how is your um, your adopted family, how have those parents been about this whole um, thing? My
1: parents are really great. So when I say parents, it's my adopted mom. I have a stepdad and my adopted dad and his, his wife. So they've been great in accepting and accommodating and I'm sure it's challenging for them in their own ways, but this isn't our first round with this. So right. I met my biological right. mother Seven at 18, 13. so right. now we get to go through it again on the other side. But so uh, the Thomas has denied paternity. Oh, okay. He's denying that he uh, fathered me, which actually is okay with me. Mm-hmm. I don't need a relationship with him I really mostly wanted uh, medical information or things like that so
0: and you were able to get that
1: yes yeah so um, that's my experience it's
0: wow okay so so Thomas remains a mystery man and have you have you maintained a connection with um, Michael
1: no, the I axi- probably should loop accident. back to him ex- and let him know. <laughs> the hey, accidental
0: father? I know.
1: P.S. You're not my dad. I mean, I should probably loop back to him. We haven't spoken in many years, but um, I'm, I don't know what his life has been like. But right. I should probably let him know, hey, you're off the hook. <laughs> sure, not, sure. You're not my dad.
0: Um, wow, okay. So I always ask if, if people feel like, if you feel like there's an age that you would have Preferred to know, and you have a different kind of story, so right. I'm not sure how that fits well, in, but
1: you did yes. go, you
0: did run with this Michael idea for all that time. For all that
1: time. Um, I, for me, I always had knowledge that I didn't know, so a little bit different than somebody just yeah. finding out, yeah. but research has shown and studies have shown that the earlier the conversation happens with a child, the better their trajectory of Assimilating that information into their life and 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 really developing a solid identity around that information. So the earlier a child's told that they Mm -hmm. were donor conceived or that they were adopted, really. um, Hey, speaking of, this is my sister texting me.
0: Oh, how funny! Yeah, that's
1: funny. I'm sure not said it, but anyway. So research shows that the earlier the conversation happens, the the more solid that child is growing up. So. I would, I would say as soon as they can understand that the conversation should at least begin with them.
0: And you always knew you were adopted.
1: I always knew so I was that was adopted, wasn't, yeah. that wasn't part of the surprise. <coughs> but yeah, no.
0: that's interesting because I, I think of, I mean, it's a discussion often on the, on the, the online support group as I want right. to tell my children. Um, and my, my, my oldest knows and couldn't care less. And part of that is being a teenager she just is like what does it have to do with me mm-hmm. um, but I don't I don't know I mean she knows about me I don't know if there if I would have understood it as a teenager I don't know
1: it's, it's a I hard question feel, yeah no I don't know I think there's. at any age it could it could be more difficult when you're older and you already have a set understanding of your life right and then have to to change that up right you know, is it age-appropriate to tell a 13-year-old that their father is a different man? I I don't know. I mean, you know, we've lived with this secret. Yeah. And understanding that secrets do make us sick.
0: Right. You know, so...
1: And then really, why do we keep that secret from a child? Usually it stems from shame or Mm -hmm. guilt or something that's a negative thing. And if we can change the dialogue around this, and not make it such a shameful thing, you know. The absolutely. women are yeah. mothers, and you know they made choices in a time that maybe that was the only choice they can make, or who knows why, mm-hmm. or what societal pressures were on them to do what they did. So you can kind of understand. Oh, absolutely! Right. So I,
0: yeah, it's no, nice I, in two,
1: 2019 to have the hindsight or look back and say, well, they they did this, but it was a terrible thing. But really, would we have done the same thing? We don't know.
0: Yeah, 15 years old, making those decisions. Right. And then, and then having to remember later. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's totally a lot. So tell me about the book that you want to write, the e-book.
1: Uh, so the the book that I'm working on now is about this whole DNA. It's more of a self-help kind of what to expect book. Yeah, great. I have me my so. story in there, so it it, it gives the the platform of me as an NPE and understanding just personally how that is. Also, my clinical experience and some research around um, this, this new phenomenon that's emerging. And uh, overall, the, the bleak mm, outlook or whatever you want to say, there's, there's no data, there's no empirical research that's been done. So really drawing attention to that and um,
0: that's great we need that so bad
1: more for somebody like when you take a DNA test what do you what do you look for you look for the centimorgans what does that mean so I explain that in the book what a centimorgan is and how the higher the number the closer the probability of your matches so kind of the nuts and bolts of navigating this
0: oh that's awesome Yeah. yeah we need that do you have a title
1: uh, well, you never know what your title's gonna end up being because it goes through your publisher and things. But tentatively is who's your daddy, which mm-hmm. it it sounds so elemental, but really we're dealing with basics of life.
0: Right. No, I mean that. I think like everything, everything like that's around this subject. The who's your daddy joke comes up. Right. Who's your, like? It, and it just comes back around. Too.
1: Well, and I think it lends some. Uh, Humor to this whole process, and if we can have humor, it might it might make the journey just a little bit softer for us. And so, uh, that's the title that I've landed on. But okay,
0: cool. Keep me updated. You never know. We can let everybody know (laughs) when it's available and what it's finally called. Yep. Very cool. Awesome. And what is the advice you would give somebody who has just discovered, just gotten a surprise result from the email? Any, any. I mean, well, mail in tests, or any any kind of information that has surprised them.
1: I, I think, and, and and I'd be. I really want to hear your story as well. But um, there are a lot of emotions that come up, and so just like people that are going into recovery, you know, starting AA or whatever, they say don't make any life decisions in the first year of your life. I would say the same thing to somebody who just found out their father's not really their father. Don't make any life changing decisions. Like, you know, don't sell your house and move or. Anything big, you just kind of let, just sit with the emotions, maybe lean into it a little bit. When I say lean into it, it means understand that these emotions are normal, and you're going to get to the other side of them, and just feel them for a minute, but don't make any life-changing decisions, because sometimes that's what we do, right? To distract Absolutely. from this, I'm going to go, I don't know, sell my car and get a motorcycle, like something impulsive and... Some would say irresponsible.
0: Yeah, quit their quit their jobs or right. start new relationships or end relationships. All sorts of things happen. I think that's great it's,
1: advice. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I didn't do anything major. I I call my li- midlife crisis, and I have them you know periodically. It's I'll go buy a, a used motorhome or something, or you know tear up carpet in my house or something. That I think is productive, but um, this paint this, living room. You know, it, it has the potential to really disrupt somebody's life, and just Absolutely. that knowledge alone will disrupt it. So, yeah.
0: Cool. Great. So straightforward.
1: Um. I love it. Thank you so much. What
0: else? will just go ahead. No, but let's see. What else? Is there anything else?
1: Um. I can tell you. Uh, just are you in the secret Facebook group? Uh huh. Yeah. So the secret Facebook group. Uh, you know, I first joined. There was about thirty-five hundred members. And uh, now it's like 7,000. Yeah, and growing. And like growing. Every day they and, you earth. know, I read, I read some uh, articles because there's, there's very little information out there about MPEs or this whole phenomenon. But one estimate I read said 1 in 25 people are taking DNA tests and that 10% of the population are getting surprise results. Yeah. That's a lot of people that are getting this shock either they're finding out their father had an affair and has the other kids out there whatever the variation of the story is uh, but there's not really anything in the mental health community supporting this specializing in this and i in my research for my book i couldn't find anything even a um a psychological theory on personality or yeah, development people that, have talked about attachment theory, like
0: lean into attachment theory or find the, the therapists that are good at adoption. Adoption. So the but adoption was, was close the closest thing I could yes. find,
1: but there are still some nuances that are unique to MPEs. You know, the grief is a different kind of grief than losing somebody. The, the trauma of it is different than the trauma that we know and we study today, but um, there really wasn't anything I found. I did find a theory that comes out of uh, the UK that fits. And you oh, know, my really? perspective, it's called identity process theory. and uh, Breakwell is the originator of that. And of course it's it pulls from Bandura and different psychologists, but it really, the premise is that your identity is attached to the groups that you're attached to. So external and internal. So as we go through life and new information comes in, we accommodate that new information to keep our identities whole and when something comes in that's so big that it just knocks us it pulls sideways that rug out from under you. it's your identity so really what i think mpe's experience is an identity crisis it's not just the i found out this information and, and oh isn't that interesting it really calls into question our entire identity and people that aren't mpe's don't understand that right they'll say, oh, let it's it go or really what important. does it matter it's what really does it change Right, and but, yeah. people sitting in glass houses shouldn't throw stones because okay. they're probably the people that went to the doctors and said, "Oh, yeah, breast cancer runs in my family mm-hmm. had mm-hmm. that information, mm-hmm. or yeah i'm I'm you know French, and they had that information for somebody who who finds out that they they don't have that information or what they thought was, was not it that it, it, it um could traumatize their identity or is that the word I'm looking for, you know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I know what you're saying, and I don't know if we even have the words yet.
1: I don't think so. It. It's like it's I think
0: traumatizing. It's unsettling. It's discombobulating.
1: Right, and it, yeah, it's beautiful and wonderful. Be fun it's and all and these it's great, exciting adventures, and it's almost like being bipolar with your emotions when you find out you're an MPE because you have, you maybe anger towards your biological mother or your family, or you find out that hey, yeah, mom, sister, and best friend all knew that this was my circumstance, but nobody told me. So the betrayal. Yeah.
0: But there's, but there's so much betrayal, yeah.
1: And then how do you have a relationship with them with this new information? And
0: wanting to understand, or for, you know, and wanting to understand people's choices as just people and humans, but being affected by it yeah. as a child or, right. or a relative of these people can be really conflicting. Right, and extending grace to and, them, but
1: also somewhat holding them accountable so it's, it is it's an interesting path and um, I think more people are going to find themselves on it yeah no, I and think you're absolutely you know right. I think when people were donating you know donors years ago or egg donors or sperm donors or whatever they never anticipated that in 30 years no. there'd be a DNA test no. that would reveal their oh. Oh identities no. so you know, and now with so many people taking the test, it's not a matter of if their secrets come out, it's a matter of when.
0: Of when. But I think people need to understand. So when we. More and more. You, know, you are need doing it.
1: You know, your your work around um, this and the podcast and getting the word out there and, and bringing awareness to this, the more we can shape the national dialogue around this and even global. I mean. You
0: are singing my song, Krista. That's right? That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Um, the and the UK then, like, seems to, to be. Talk
1: about this. Yeah, the UK. UK seems to be a little bit ahead of us. So, in 2005, they made anonymous donor uh, sperm donors illegal. So they they can no longer be anonymous okay. in England oh, and in the UK. So if we could just catch up to that, and what I what I hope by saying shape the national conversation and global non- conversation, is so that we don't go to the polar opposite end of that, and people stop donating, or people stop adopting, or Putting their children up for adoption.
0: I didn't even think of that because yeah, because of the
1: negative whatever surrounding me and MPE. What I would rather is that there's just a clear understanding and the sting is taken out of it, mm-hmm. so the people mm-hmm. can make informed decisions, and the the children can have knowledge and information as they develop.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I keep I keep trying to explain it. Um, to some people who who don't think this is a very good this podcast is a very good idea. And um like if I could just offer some kind of relief to the people feeling shame m- more than anything. It's like this happens, right. this when happens in and specific circumstances are different for every person. Yeah. But if we could yeah, if we could make it s- some kind of if there was an opportunity for conversation around it. Right. And right I now think there's I think your podcast is 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 a vacuum.
1: I think your podcast is an excellent idea, not just for people discovering their MPES, but also people on the other side of that. Yeah. People who um, maybe just friends or family members or professionals in the community or a mental health community that are working with these individuals. So um, for me, uh, I think the more awareness is is brought to this, and the more the conversation shows both, the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah. yeah. You know, well, and I also
0: would love to get people to come talk to me who are from different perspectives yeah. of it. Like, I would love to get some mothers who made the decision 30 years, 30, 40 years ago yeah. to keep it a secret um, yeah. and what their thinking was. I, um, I would love to get some of them to come talk. Or, or a sperm donor who has this, like, surprise phone call that's like, wait, I did this thing for 50 bucks Yeah. 50 years ago and now this person wants a relationship and I feel fill in the blank um yeah I would love to get all sorts of perspectives about it because I just think we all need to talk about all of it I, I agree yeah great
1: I had a thought and now. so
0: um you, we're sitting we're actually sitting and maybe you can pick this up listeners but Krista works in the mental health community um and so and we're actually sitting in a in a mental health clinic facility mm-hmm. um rooms rooms of counselors here and um have you had anybody come through
1: yes yeah, so there? Uh, what happened when I had my own experience and realizing there wasn't a place to really go and get specific specialized services or, or counseling around this, I started looking at our own agency. So I, I am the CEO of a nonprofit counseling center in Orange County, and we work with trauma and grief and uh, anything on the mental health spectrum, substance abuse. Uh, we serve about 3,000 people a year through our, our programs. That's a lot, but there wasn't anything that I was finding. So I talked to the leadership team here about opening a group for MPEs and just seeing, you know, what how it worked or what, what the interest was. And we opened in February, and our our groups are full, and we get calls. <laughs> that is so cool. We get calls, and people that are in the groups that are now wanting individual work. And so there's definitely a need. We are starting a virtual platform. And in the next month or so to be able to offer services across California, across the United States for people really specializing in this uh, area. The Orange County Register did a piece on me, on my story and the groups that were starting at Mariposa. And So from that article, there's been a lot of interest. And we've actually had people coming in that are NPEs. We've also had people on the other side of that that are siblings uh, they share a biological father but uh, they're on the other side they're not the MPE, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're in groups together and it's been really beautiful because they're able to help each other have empathy for the others story so it it blends it and, and it just ended up being a really good group
0: this is so cool because Krista didn't tell me any of this before I showed up so I just came I'm doing a whole bunch of interviews today um so this is a whole side that I am so excited to talk about and so excited to connect with somebody who's also trying to broaden the conversation and actually be of service in that community. This is so cool. I'm yeah. so excited right now. <laughs> yeah. We did
1: the first uh, four weeks, we scholarshiped everyone. So we were able just to kind of pilot it and see what the interest was. And the interest was so wide that um, we ended up opening up more groups. So. Um, here we are. We have a group here in Orange and also San Juan Capistrano, and we are looking to do, we'll probably pilot with, you know, brought into California and then across the United States. And my interest isn't just in providing the services for MPEs, uh, it's also to provide training for counselors who may, you know, come in contact with.
0: So much on that Facebook support group that we are both a part of, people post about disappointing experiences with therapists. Right. Which is heartbreaking. It and, is, right?
1: and you know, but the the psychology world in in the United States hasn't caught up to that yet. So it will. They'll get there. It will, and so Mariposa is really emerging as that thought leader and um, and provider, and so hopefully we can get more people just trained on what it is.
0: Yeah, and so um, are you comfortable saying the name of the program or a number they should call or a, or email? Or? So
1: our number here is seven one four five four seven six four nine four and you can also look us up on our website. So it's Center dot org.
0: Okay, great. And I will put that um I'll put all that information uh on the website or on the blog. I'll I'll make sure that that's available. And yeah. if anybody doesn't catch it, um, either <laughs> re listen to the episode or um send me an email, Eve at everything's relative podcast dot com, and I'll make sure that you get connected to the right people. Yeah. Yeah, so great. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. That's um safe.
0: Anything else you want to tell me about the way you're changing the world?
1: <laughs> Taking on the world, um, interesting. No, uh, I did approach a university and ask if they would be interested in doing a study on this because there really isn't, or hasn't been a study so conducted proactive. yet. I'm so
0: impressed.
1: Um, you know, they haven't. They didn't bite, but they will. I think the more there's chatter in the media, and the more there's chatter in um, in print material, that uh, perhaps they. there will be funding available for a university to do a study on this. So I think that's important for us to be able to really direct um, even treatment for individuals. But really a broader understanding of the impact of this. We haven't seen it yet. You know, you're starting to see, hey. I'm
0: so glad you used the word phenomenon.
1: Right. They, when I, when I remember when I took my DNA test and I was spitting into the little vial, I had the conscious thought like, oh my God, please don't let me be related to a serial killer. Like that was one of my biggest concerns is that I would be, and like shortly after I did my test, they caught the Golden State Killer right. through DNA testing. testing. Yeah. They caught a serial rapist through DNA testing. So forensics are gonna be able to use this as well. So it's gonna have good implications, but it could also you know, have somewhat negative implications for individuals and their families. So, uh, yeah. No,
0: the fallout. I mean, we're yeah. I think you're right. We're just at the tip of the iceberg, of just yeah. watching this whole thing shake out.
1: And technology has advanced us, meaning we haven't we haven't really prepared adequately for the advancement in technology around this. We'll catch up, but right now we're just reeling from the uh, how expedited these things are. When I say I had years to marinate in the idea of not knowing. People that get that surprise DNA test may have minutes to realize that their life was a lie or right. whatever, right? Minutes, so they're experiencing this compact, life-altering, uh, you know, information quickly, and we're in an age where everything has to be immediate, you know. But this might be an instance where maybe time is your is your ally. You know um, what So I many
0: people in the group. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep talking about the group. Um, but but that's my biggest uh, pool of understanding of what's going on. So many people are like, "Hey, I just found out last week." Yeah. And these are the things I've done. Or and yeah, if if there could be some kind of um, message to to just pause with this stuff and take the time, take some time to process it.
1: Right. And not, uh, even, and
0: be, ma- not even before making big decisions, but right. even the small decisions.
1: <laughs> it's true and. Um, I think the Facebook group is really good for people to go and and know they're not alone, know that what they're experiencing is widely felt by others and uh, it's a a great place to connect with other MPEs. It is not a replacement for mental health services. No, I've seen people on there that are relapsing, that are suicidal, that are having really adverse reactions to this and there's not the, the level of support. And they have a, a disclaimer on the Facebook page that it's not, it's not to replace mental health services and if you need help to, you know, how to get that. So, um, but I think it's an excellent place for people to, to make that first connection. Yeah,
0: no, I think you're right and I think that they just, um, they came along at the, the, the few people that, um, that started the group like came along at the right time. But there are tons of support groups probably out there if you look and this is not the only one. And they are not, I, I don't know, everybody needs different things. So I don't want to say that they're the best one or that they are the authority on this subject. They just happen to be um, a group that's got some PR.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Catherine St. Clair was one of the mm-hmm. co-founders of that Facebook yeah, really group. and they
0: got a ball rolling. Um, sure. You know, she's
1: got her own personal story with it. So um, the, the impetus of it was her own uh, discovery and... Um, she's done a phenomenal job of bringing people together in a community together, and there have been offshoots of that. Uh, I haven't seen many other online support groups for this, just that, the one yeah, that Catherine... Yeah, they're,
0: they're certainly... And they've
1: started subgroups, so they've like started big, groups for people that are single and finding out, or people that are, uh, you know, just a male, you know, just men only, and... So over
0: sixty-five, they've
1: started subgroups and young, you know, of that. the millennial that.
0: group, or whatever that whatever's younger than yeah millennials, or Gen Z So group,
1: they're they're onto something. They're trendsetters in a way of, of this, and with everything being uh, online now, it's it's a perfect opportunity for people to connect. So. Um,
0: for sure, yeah. I just I yes, the, the, everything you just said is true. Mm-hmm. I just. Um, I also want to make clear to people, they don't have to be a part of this group. Um, right. Or it's not the only way, or going on there is not, it's, it's one representation of this experience, um, but it is not the only one. Right,
1: and then as we get more professionals that are trained in this, there may be um, in-person support groups or other avenues for people. I have seen in there people that are in remote parts of the country that don't have access to, and so an online version is indicated for them, uh, you know, or you live in a small town and maybe they don't want people to know because of the shame and the guilt and, you know, there's, there's other options for them.
0: People that, the people that find out all this stuff and then it turns out they're still, they're friends with all the people, like in the small towns or it was their next door neighbor growing up or yeah, I mean yeah. layers and layers of
1: possibilities. Oh my of gosh,
0: complicated.
1: And if anything, this yeah. should kind of raise the um, the need for maybe like getting DNA tested before you get married. You know?
0: right, or, right. There, yeah, before you know, no, you're dating about that, somebody,
1: maybe like, you should do a swab and just, just make like sure we're not like cousins. Look,
0: everybody just spit, and then,
1: you know? especially in a small town mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. you know the the pool is limited. I've seen people or heard people say, "Oh my god, I just found out my ex-husband's my brother." Like
0: I saw that. This stuff
1: happen. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And and for me as an adopted person, that was always in my it was. my mind because you never know if this person's really related to you. It could be a brother, it could be, you know, so I've lived in that. And I'm um, going back to my search as a as adopted individual searching for my biological family this was in the day before the internet
0: yeah I know. it was it's that card catalog yourself, like and microfiche exactly what you know I what I mean yeah it
1: was days and months and weeks writing letters that ma- are mailed off to there was time in between to wrap my head around it and mm-hmm. and process that word if you send a DNA test off it's like a matter of weeks before you get the results back and we're in May. So they, they estimate they sold 1.2 million kits over the holidays. Those results should be rolling in about now. So right. there's going to be thousands of people that right. are going so 1.2 to.
0: 1.2 million, what's 10% of that? 120,000.
1: 120, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That took me a minute. Clearly, yeah. I'm, clearly I mean, I'm a therapist, uh, yeah. not a mathematician. I have to ask you. <laughs> right. So a lot of people. And yeah. I would say it is a phenomenon that we um, were not expecting, but it's here. So it's now here. how are we going to deal with it?
0: Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I'm so thankful for people like you who are really trying to do something about it.
1: I think the more okay, we share our story and the more we normalize it as abnormal as it is, um, the easier it's going to be for those that come behind us and find out.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm going to go ahead and turn this off.
1: Okay, good. Now you have to tell me your story.
0: Hey, so one more time, I just want to thank Krista and the work she's doing at Mariposa in Orange, California to help NPEs uh, get through this kind of experience. Um, Again, uh, M A R I P O S A, mariposacenter.org is how to find the information there, and I'll put it up on our social media sites. Um, And as Krista, she talked about writing a book to be helpful to people. And I will make that information available as soon as uh, she gives it to me. Um, So, yeah, so we'll see you in two weeks. Episode 10. Um, It's a good one. It's a doozy. But uh, in the meantime, I just want to make a really quick request. If you have been enjoying episodes one through nine of Everything's Relative podcast, I would sure appreciate it if you would go onto your streaming platform. That is the website from which you download your episodes Um, and give me a review. Go ahead and give the give the uh, the podcast a review um if you can write something up that would be amazing if you can give us uh, five stars that would be incredible Uh, and make sure you're subscribed so that you're getting these uh, episodes straight to your listening device uh every two weeks um anyway those are the kind of ways that uh, i can uh, gather the resources to make more more of these episodes um so yeah so that would be so great thank you so much uh yeah that's it guys that's it that's that's it for this week um see you in two weeks and this is everything's relative and what else do i usually say i don't know okay this is Eve surges <laughs> bye Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Kaylin Egan and Eve Sturgis. Eve Sturgis is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California, but the conversations she has on the podcast are not therapy sessions. Logo design by Ivy McNally and music used with permission by Goodbye the Band.